0: Visit ADHDessentials.com for more details. Enrollment in the ADHD Parent Coaching Groups begins on Monday. If you've already emailed me about it, I'll be getting back to you then if I haven't already. If you've been putting off contacting me, now's the time. Space is limited, so email me at brendan at ADHDessentials.com to save a spot. That's B-R-E-N-D-A-N at ADHD. E-S-S-E-N-T-I-A-L-S dot This is episode 20. My guest today is Tracy Goodwin. Tracy is a voice coach and the owner of Captivate the Room. For over 25 years, she's been helping people all over the world use their voice more effectively, and parents are included on that list. In today's episode, Tracy is going to talk to us about how we can make better use of our voice as a parenting tool. We'll talk about how our voice can push our kids away from us or pull them towards us, the five elements of vocal variety and how to use them to captivate our kids' attention, and the important role the breath plays in the use of our voice. Tracy also shares some very personal stories, including the communication challenges in her childhood home and how she got her son to talk to her despite being nonverbal at an early age and how she's kept him talking even after 17 years. All right, let's get rolling. So when I learned about you, my, what I immediately thought because of this podcast is that perhaps you could help parents recognize ways that they can use their voice to, to just get more compliance from their kids in a way that is a little more peaceful, is a little more calm, and, and sort of helps, helps what can be in a chaotic ADHD household find a little more tranquility just by using a different tool yeah. and maybe using a tool that our parents are already using just in a way that's more effective. Yeah. What is the psychology of the voice?
1: From a very young age, four, five, six, the input that we're getting can affect how we speak as adults, how we speak our whole life. So you're five, and your mom or your dad or your brother or your sister or your teacher says, "Hey, John, you need to shut up." Boom. Subconscious mind, job protecting the heart. Voice is the orchestra of the heart. Subconscious mind says, "Don't worry, John, I got this. We're going to shut this down." And then you end up you're 40 and you're sitting in front of me, right? Because you you've bet you've not been, you've, you've been silenced basically so that's what the psychology of the voice is it is what our subconscious mind is creating in our voice in our ability to even use our voice plus how we use it throughout our life based on the input that we get from others and the more important they are in our life the more important this is the higher the stakes so mom and dad are right up there
0: in terms of how parents use their voice what are I guess what are some skills that we can start that we can look at, and and maybe we need to start with building blocks before we go there. Um, I know that you've talked about the the five elements of vocal variety. Is that a good place to start? Should we should we begin with the the pushing and pulling tones that you've talked about?
1: Yeah, let's well let's talk about push pull and and that kind of leads into the five elements. But I want to first mention that all of this is about unpredictability. Now, I don't work with parents specifically on this per se, but I can't even begin to tell you the number of parents in passing, you know, friends of my uh, son's parents and have said, could you help me? Because I can't get Jack to clean up his room. And, you know, and, I, and my first question is, how do, you, how do you try to get Jack to clean up? Well, I, I, you say, Jack, you got to clean up your room. I said, you do that every time. Yeah, I mean I get loud and I holler and I say, Come on. And I say, You do that every time. Yeah, I do it every time. And he's just not listening. He and listening, because you are predictable. You're using the same tone, the same thing every time. And Jack's already got that down. So the minute it starts to come out of your mouth, Jack goes, I know this game. I'm out. So Where push and and, and pull and five elements comes in is, first of all, we got to shake up the game. We've got to start getting unpredictable. So Jack starts going, and Jack is my son's name. So Jack starts going, hold on a minute. What's she doing? Why'd she say it like that? Boom. All of a sudden, Jack isn't checked out anymore. Every 90 seconds, our brain tells us to check out. And so That same tone comes at us, 90 seconds, yeah, yeah, bye, 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 I hear you, mom. So what we tend to do as parents or even in business or in any kind of intense situation, it doesn't even have to be an intense situation, we have go-tos laid in. We're under pressure, we're running late, I need you to get your stuff, we got to get in the car, we got to go. We go to a go-to and that go-to is generally a push. Push is loud and fast. And 98% of the world works in push. Push repels. So every time I start getting like this with you, it's kind of like, you you know, I'm old enough. I don't know about your listeners, but the Memorex commercial and the guy's blown back in the chair. Okay, that's the visual on push. I'm pushing you away. I'm telling you to get in the car. I'm telling you to get it done. Push,
0: push, push. That's repelling me. You're also triggering pretty strong anxiety with that, right? Absolutely. You're using that tone because you're feeling anxious and that anxiety is infectious. So it's going right to the kid. That kid is now feeling anxious and they're struggling to perform the task that you're asking of them because their prefrontal cortex is not being brought online. They can't think clearly they're too busy getting caught up in the anxiety and the emotion of the thing.
1: Absolutely. And they can literally, in addition to connecting to it and checking out of it because it's predictable, we can develop aversions to sounds. Mm -hmm. So like literally from my story, when people yell at me constantly, I check out. I mean, I literally make every purchase based on what I hear in a voice. And when people start hammering at me, I know that they're not my person. So yeah, you're spot on, creates major problems, these push tones. You want to get the sale, stop repelling me. But that's what we go to. We're under pressure. We're in a hurry. We got to get it done. You're driving me crazy. You're frustrating me. I'm sick of it. I can't <laughs> just do it. Right? You know, we're automatically doing it. It's in the muscle memory. We started it. I don't even know, probably when he was two or three, maybe it started even before he was born. Maybe it started from our own story, our own psychology of the boy's story. So, what we have to do, I'm not saying we can't ever have push. It is valuable, but it is like the boy who cried wolf. You got to use it when you need it the most. You can't be calling telling me the wolf's coming every time you need a sock picked up or me to get in the car. It ain't going to work that way. We've got to start incorporating pull. Pull is I'm getting a little quieter now. I'm going a little slower now because I want to make sure you get this. And then the big money the big money element. I'm just going to pause. Yep. The most powerful tool we have. And yet the majority of the people I have worked with over 28 years, they just don't go there. They just don't go there. They don't remember. It's not natural. It's not in their repertoire. It's uncomfortable. There's a million different reasons. The most powerful tool we have is I need to tell you something, but I'm going to pause before I do. Because in that pause, you're going, hold on a minute. What's she going to do? What's she telling me? What's happening? So that's push pull, right? Does that make sense?
0: It does. Yeah. And I want to I wanna play with that pause a little bit too, because there's other things going on in there that are important for the parents to recognize. One is when we pause, we give the listener time to process the information that we've given to them. And if we don't pause, they don't have enough time to process what's happening and what we're asking of them. So pauses are really valuable on that end as well. And also that sort of uncertainty that you're referencing with the pause and how it makes people go, well, what's this gonna be? Um, It's also important to use that pause wisely because if your kid is already anxious, and then you pause too much or for too long, all you're doing is increasing that anxiety because they're uncertain about what's happening. So you also want to be mindful that sometimes the pause can, can wind up turning into a push without you meaning it to.
1: Oh yeah. I love that you said that. And pause being the most powerful tool. You really have to save it for when you need it. Right. You really, really have to save it for when you need it because It it just goes back to that boy who cried wolf. I mean, that's such a perfect analogy. Don't use it and use it and use it and use it. For one thing I'm going to, it doesn't, it lost all of it. It's all of its power, but it does create an extra special anxiety because I don't know what's coming next. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it is the most powerful and those, but, but you know, what those pull elements do is they reel me in and pull me close. So like in a pause, what that does, like I love what you said. And what happens in the subconscious mind in the pause is we process, he cares about me. Mm-hmm. He's taking time for me to think this through. He cares about me. I say the magic happens in the pause. But again, I'm in total agreement with you that yeah, don't don't do it every every seven rounds, you know. Save it for the big stuff. It is the I call it a power pause.
0: Yeah, and that and that's where that's where I'm having that little caution, right? Because it's one thing if we're equals and I pause. But if I have power over you, which is yeah. if I'm a parent and then I have power over my kid, then the power pause is more powerful than we intend it to be. Yeah. Um, just by the nature of what what's go of the dynamic of the the relationship. Oh yeah, for sure. But another element of the pause that I that I talk to my clients about, which is not exactly the science of the voice, it's more the science of I guess conversation and communication which the voice is there obviously but this is a, a my thinking of it is in a little bit of a different direction which is I encourage my parents to just shut up after you ask a question like just wait because you're uncomfortable and that's why you start talking in, in the silence but so is your kid and if you can suffer through that uncomfortable silence longer than they can they'll start answering the question they'll start talking about how school went, they'll start telling you about their boyfriend or why their best friend hasn't been around for two weeks or the party that they went to that you didn't want them to go to when they weren't supposed to be at. You'll get more information there if if you just say, so why did you go to the party? As opposed to, why did you go to the party? Did you think you were going to see Tony? Did everyone make you? Yeah. Is it just because your friend showed up? Like, right? don't give me reasons. Like, just right? ask the question and shut up and sit there.
1: Oh, I love that. I love that. And I love that you brought up questions because another, you know, that's another mistake that we make. When you ask a question, you have to ask that question like you really want the answer, not like it's a segue into the barrage of what, you know, what you just demonstrated. Because what happens is, even from the difference from what happens in the voice, which is all processed subconsciously by the listener, there is an edge to my voice when I ask you a question and I have no intention of letting you answer versus when I ask you and wait. And it's not about, I don't think you're going to answer, so I'm just going to drive on through. You ask the question like I really am. You give me the opportunity. And when that edge is not in the voice, because you really ask the question like you want the answer, the chances are better that I'm going to answer because I'm not being
2: repelled.
0: I wanna um I wanna just pause for a second, speaking of pauses, and point something, not point something. I wanna call something to the attention of my listeners right now. And yes, I want you to listen to this episode for content. Absolutely, because we're already in the middle of some really amazing information, but I also want my listeners to listen to you talking and to pay attention to how they feel while they're listening to you talking. Because I can tell the pull tones that you're using and I can feel myself being drawn in. And earlier when you were speaking more rapidly and using those push tones, I felt that as well, that push back. And this is the first time In an interview, and it might be because I'm being more mindful of it, given the nature of the topic, but this is the first time in an interview when I've felt that push-pull of the use of the voice as noticeably as I am right now. So I just want my listeners to both learn from this episode and also kind of have that experience of when is she using push tones? When is she using pull tones? And how can I use that in my day-to-day life to apply what we're learning in this episode moving forward?
1: I love it. I love it. And that is, that is the goal of everything I teach is that you become the conductor of the orchestra because when you are, and this is what it's all about, this is what it's all about for your people. And I don't mean this in a negative way. I'm going to use the word control. It becomes about controlling the conversation and releasing the outcome. We're pushing towards the outcome. I got to get in the car. We got to get to work. I got to get your socks up. I got to get your homework done. We're pushing vocally to an outcome we need. Now, I'm not saying forget about the outcome, but I'm saying when you start rolling in some of the other elements, you're going to start controlling the conversation and you're going to get the outcome you
0: want. And that requires some self control as well.
1: That's the big, that's the hardest part.
0: Yeah. Because if I'm, if I want to use pull tones, I have to take control of my voice. I have to take control of my thoughts. I have to take control of my body language even. Because otherwise, if if I'm feeling anxious, I'm going to wind up using those push tones because the anxiety is going to come out and I'm not in control. And now I'm speaking more loudly and more fast.
1: That's right. Everything we do vocally is laid into our muscle memory. It's been laid in there a long time. With parents, a lot of times I call it brace mode. We kind of function in brace mode. You know, we've got the kids, we've got the work, we've got the traffic, we've got the bills, we've got. And so as humans, we function in brace mode. And the things that I teach, the things that I'm talking about here today, anybody can learn to do. You can learn to be the conductor of that orchestra. It's in the learning to do it, that just like you said, is the challenge. Mm -hmm. Because your muscle memory is going to draw from the top layer, that knee jerk reaction of, hey, shut up, you know, or whatever it is. And we've, we've got to, whether it's a sticky note, whether it's in your mind, doesn't matter. It's just like a habit, but that stopping that moment and doing it different. And literally it's just like habits. It can be changed and changes everything.
0: I can only imagine how potent the tool of the voice is if you're not conscious of using it. It's a tool that I use and I use it pretty mindfully. Um, I wouldn't have seen you as a possible guest if I didn't already have some awareness of this. Um, It would have gone because you would have gone right by me and I'd have been like, What does she have to do with my podcast? Right. But because I know that when I speak more rapidly, I get one response. And when I speak more slowly and I make my voice a little deeper or I take longer pauses, I'm having a different response from my kids, from my wife, from my clients. I've I'm aware of the potency of the voice. But I also know that I don't use it as well as I could because the nature of who I am is I get excited. And so when I get excited, I speak more rapidly and I speak more loudly. And all of my nonverbals are very clearly not trying to push you away. They're all engaged and excited and trying to draw you in. But my voice is doing the opposite. And so that's an, that's an angle that I need to learn how to navigate. And I'm certain there's some parents out there who might have a similar struggle. You're raising your kids' anxiety without meaning to. Yeah. What are some strategies that you have for helping someone who um, might get stuck in a push tone when they're yeah. trying to use more pulls?
1: Well, you know, we, the voice, the power of the voice truly is in the fact that it does affect us emotionally. The words are not ever going to affect us emotionally, but every tone is what stirs the emotions. I think the first tool that we have to revisit, which is the funniest, funniest to me, that sometimes the hardest thing I teach is breathing. You've Mm -hmm. got to train yourself to pause and breathe. It's the difference in reacting and responding. If I react, I'm going there first. I guarantee you I'm going there, Uh right? Because I'm reacting to you. We got to remove the emotion from it. And the best way to start is you say something to me. I train myself instantly to take in a breath before I react so that I can respond. Because simply by taking in a breath, and it doesn't have to be this I think this messes people up. People think, oh, I gotta take in this, you know, this deep breath. No, just get some air in your body because what it's gonna do is it's gonna pull your voice down back into your body. Your voice is gravitating up into your head, and I am so sick and tired of that. You're up there. Taking a breath, it's instantly going to pull you down. That is first and foremost the thing that we have to train ourselves to do. And, And people don't, it's in the muscle memory to be in brace mode. It's not gonna work to say, oh, just remember to breathe you're not going to remember to breathe in the heat of the moment, right? we got to train ourselves to remember to breathe.
0: Yeah. Can we talk a little bit about what you mean by brace mode? Are you, do you mean like your body is braced because you're so tense? Yeah. You mean you're bracing in pre- preparation for an impact or an anxiety or what, what do you yeah. mean by brace mode?
1: Brace mode, I specifically attribute to breath. Let me use a college example. I remember in undergraduate school, I had a really, really mean costume history teacher. I was scared to death of him. And so every time I would go to Dr. Swain's class, I would walk in and I was prepared for the worst. So I'd sit there and kind of hold my breath, waiting for the shoe to drop with Dr. Mm -hmm. Swain because it always did. So let's reel that back to fourth grade. Miss Daniels always yelled because I was a talker. Hold my breath and wait. Let's reel that back to when I was four and I don't like my hair washed and here comes mama with the towel. So we train ourselves from a very early age to, it's not that we don't breathe, it's that we don't let our air out. So I take in air, but I'm not going to let it out. So that's what I mean by brace mode is I've trained my muscle memory to kind of hold this air in because if I let it out, I lose control because letting the air out is vulnerability. And that's another reason we try to shut that stuff down as fast as we can. It becomes really vulnerable for me to let you know who I am and let you know that I'm struggling here and let you know how I feel about something because I'm supposed to be in control. So that's what I mean by brace mode, is that we take the air in, but we, are, we hold on to it and don't let it out because I'm walking to the mailbox and I know the bills are gonna be there. I'm going home and I know my wife is angry at me. I'm going home and I know the situation at the school. The principal's already called. Mm-hmm. Brace mode. So we have to take in the air and let it out.
0: And so that breath is helping us get to the more more of the pull tones. Yeah.
1: Takes the edge off. Because the minute we go right up in here and, re- and react, we are going to push. Mm-hmm. For another tactic, what you really want to do Start making it almost a game, a game within yourself. I want to challenge myself to start rolling in this one, because we just go to that go to, and in the middle of it, we're going, "Why am I yelling again?" (laughs) Right. Right. So instead of making it a chore or a something laborious, start to have fun with. I am going to control this conversation with Paul. So we've got these five elements. Generally, people people work in one or two
0: these are the five elements of vocal variety
1: these are the five elements of vocal variety and they are what make up the push and pull they are what create the unpredictability most people have a go to of one or two there's five all of these different elements are touching different emotions you keep hammering at me with the same one you're not affecting me on a on a an emotional level in the other areas of emotion. So the push, as I've already mentioned, are loud and fast. And those are the ones that 97% of Americans go to, or people in general, you know, (laughs) right? I got to get loud. I got to get fast because that's the way you're going to hear me. That's what we believe. It blows people's minds when I go to work with them and I start rolling in quiet. Why in the world would you have me get quiet? This is important. Because it's important second most powerful tool in the variety toolbox is quiet yet nobody thinks to go there because we think of it as weak Mm -hmm. you want power you get a little quiet while you're telling them to get the homework done watch how fast they go because one you're not threatening it's not it, it removes the edge it removes the threat it is a tone that I can connect to if we think about the push the fast and loud think of it as angular. It's hard to hug a box. Mm -hmm. When we think of push, they're all circular. They have no edge. It's easy to hug a ball or a balloon. Right. So bits of quiet. I'm not saying you have to get quiet all the time. When we talk about the five elements, we talk about bits. Quiet. Slowing it down. Instead of saying, I really need you to get this done, you slow down and you say, I really need you to get this done. Do you see how much more important that just became when I slowed that bit down?
0: Just as an overview, can we just sort of name what each of the five elements are and then go into them? And some of them I know we've already touched upon, but just to to get an overview of it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So pause, Mm -hmm. shades of fast or slow, Mm -hmm. shades of loud or quiet, elongation and pitch, high and low okay okay and what we tend to do is we tend to gravitate to one or two that's that Mm go-to what i want you to do is i want you to think of them as an orchestra because the voice is the orchestra of the heart so think of it as an orchestra and you want to play all those do you want to be a one-man band or do you want a full orchestra right right so we wanna use all of them. You know, one is not necessarily better than the other one. I've researched them and I've seen how some are more powerful and some are weaker, but we want them all. So loud is obvious. You know? it's, I'm raising my voice again, and that's, that's a big one. That's a go-to, mm-hmm. because we think it's powerful. And then of course there's fast. I gotta hurry up, we gotta hurry up, we gotta get in the car, we gotta, the traffic's going, come on, we gotta go. That's fast. And a lot of times, loud and fast go together. And honestly, they're your weakest tools. Yet they're our go-tos because we think they're powerful. So it's a reframe in the mind, really. Then we've got pause, which is the most powerful. Then we've got quiet, which is absolutely my favorite. Absolutely my favorite.
0: But loud can overwhelm quiet pretty easily, right? Like if I'm trying to be quiet and calm when I talk to you and you respond with loud and fast, you're going to raise my anxiety and I might wind up going loud and fast, or I might wind up just freezing and, and letting you win because I'm emotionally overwhelmed. Yeah. So how do we like, I I see the power of of being quiet, but I'm also loud and loud and fast seems to just trump that on the emotional level.
1: Yeah. Part of it is, you've got to connect to that breath and not mm-hmm. let yourself get elevated. It really is about control. You you said being so, something a minute ago about being in control, being aware, being mindful. That's a huge part of it. I'm going to just breathe. I'm not going to go there. Water will always seek its own level.
2: Mm-hmm. We
1: have to maintain the consistency. If we get quiet once and then we you know escalate back up, you're not going to see the mileage of it. It's maintaining that consistency. And when I say quiet, I want to be clear that I'm not meaning become a noodle. Okay. Whatever you want. You know, it's not becoming a noodle. It's fueling that anger and that emotion and that passion into the quiet. You see how powerful that is when I fuel that emotion that I feel into that quiet. Mm-hmm. So it's about, you know, at one, well, and it's also about mastering it. You can't always just do it one time and say, well, that didn't work, you know, and maybe in those heated moments, maybe quiet and loud is a combination. You know, I'm I'm trying quiet, but you're firing off at me. So maybe I do need to go back to volume for a moment, Mm -hmm. but it's about that unpredictability regulation, having a buffet.
0: And I use that with my boys, like if they're just running around like maniacs, which certainly happens sometimes. I have identical twin sons who are nine, so you can get an impression of what wow. that might look like in my house sometimes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, like They'll just feed off each other and keep each other going. And, uh, and sometimes we, we've asked them to brush their teeth six and seven times, and then finally it's like, boys, like very loudly. And they kind of snap to attention, and then I immediately drop back down. You need to go brush your teeth. We've asked you six times, like, go ahead. So that sounds like what you're talking about here.
1: Perfect example. Okay. Perfect example. That's that regulation. That's that conducting the orchestra. Mm-hmm. You're not conducting the orchestra when it becomes, boys, you got to go brush your teeth right now. We've told you six times, go get in, you know?
0: Because then I've lost control. I've lost control myself, which if they're going to then brush their teeth, it's not because- I'm in control of them. It's because they're afraid of my lack of control. Yeah. And so I'm motivating out of fear rather, out of, rather than out of respect.
1: If you can consistently learn to do this regulation, water will seek its own level. A perfect example is like when I work with actors and they go into an audition and they're really prepared and they get in the, uh, the room with someone who is not they have a choice. They can drop down to that unprepared person's level, or they can stay with their game and bring that person up. Mm-hmm. And it never fails. You know, they they stay their game and bring that person up. So you stay the course of I'm going to do different choices. I'm going to regulate this orchestra. Other uh, elements that you can work with: elongation, taking a word like "I really." Need you to understand Mm. that raises the bar on us in on a subconscious level to know how you feel, how serious you are, what degree we're dealing with here.
0: And and you married a pause into that too. You kind of snuck a pause in after the really, as well. Yeah. Does that tend to happen with elongation? I imagine that's probably pretty com a pretty common occurrence when you're elongating words.
1: Yeah. It's I'm constantly, you go back and you'll listen to this episode. And it's I have clients that go and listen to my show and they're like, I went to listen to see how you did it, you know, to hear it. And it's literally a learned skill, but you want to constantly be regulating these five elements. Because then I, you know, one, I can absolutely connect to you. Two, I'm so captivated by you that I listen to you.
0: Right. And I keep coming back to this. But what I'm hearing is sort of an undercurrent to all of this is if you have the self-control and you're being mindful to have that control, because anybody can do it. We just have to think about it and and execute, right? But if we're using our self-control to control our voice, to control the pace, to control the volume, then that self-control sort of extends outwardly into the conversation or the situation potentially, depending on what's going on. And that brings our self-control. It sort of brings it outside of ourselves and allows us to then get some measure of control over our listeners. And not in a creepy way, not in like a, now they're going to do everything I say kind of way, more in a, they're going to listen and they're going to attend better to what we have to say and therefore hear us more effectively.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Because when we do this regulation, and it's not, it's not a put on, you know, it's not, it, it's not a put on when I do it, I have learned to and, and teach to deeply connect with other options. And so basically, people know who we really are. Mm-hmm. I, I, it, I know that you're really upset now, mom, I can hear it in your voice, rather than just this constant, Bam, 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 bam. I mean, who would want to sit there and listen to a jackhammer all day?
0: Right. And when we're being loud and fast, and that's triggering anxiety, right? It's triggering the amygdala, which is the part of the brain that's responsible for processing emotions. Once the amygdala gets triggered, we don't get to have any careful thought. The information doesn't get to the prefrontal cortex, which is the part of the brain that makes careful decisions and those sorts of things. So if someone comes at us loud and fast, and that's triggering our anxiety. What we're really processing is our own anxiety and desperately trying to figure out what they have to say while we're at the same time going, I'm scared. So I'm freaking out, but I have to find out what this person is saying to me because it's the reason that I'm freaking out. There is no option of trying to figure out why that person is feeling the way they're feeling. So I can't really solve the problem in an effective way. But if someone is upset with me and they come at me, they come to me and talk to me in a calm controlled way but let me know that they're upset now i can process what they're saying to me and i can think back to the things that i did or the way that they responded and process how i've made them feel and how to avoid that in the future by correcting my behavior but if they're just mad i can't i can't do any forward thinking while we're having that conversation and i can't i can't bring much insight to the situation
1: so beautifully said so beautifully said and so spot on. And in my processing, what I heard in what you said so eloquently was safe, not safe. Yes. And that comes, you know, that comes from my own story. My own story was, you know, it was screaming or silent treatment. And I'm not really sure which one was which one was worse. There was no middle of the road. So I went into life feeling very unsafe when people were upset. Mm-hmm because there were no safe, there was no safety. If there had been a middle of the road. And so I've raised my son very differently. And I'm, I'm very happy to say that I have a child that not that there, nothing's been perfect, let me tell you, but that I have a child that communicates with me. Oh, good to me.
0: And how, how old is he?
1: Still almost 17. Nice.
0: And we don't expect perfection on this podcast, just so you know. Good,
1: because I, I've, I know I have <laughs> failed more than, more than my share, but that was my number one thing when I had a child was I cannot have him terrified of communication. I cannot mm. have him struggle like I struggled because of the snap or the, we just don't even, I'm just not even speaking to you for two weeks and you wow. figure what you did wrong. I know you're five. Yeah, yeah, it was really intense. It's an irony that I'm a voice coach, right? It was my purpose from the start.
0: Or it's a straight line, one or the other. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. right, right, for sure. So, um, so that that's, I mean, that's really got to be really hard to be in a position where you're either being yelled at or getting the silent treatment, but you're not really getting the information that you need to have because either it's not being provided at all, or you're not in a position to process it because you're not feeling safe.
1: I mean, I've spent my whole life really sorting through it Mm -hmm. because it was so intense, but yeah, you know, navigating, you know, you go to college and, and then you get out and you're done and you realize I cannot navigate anything. I cannot navigate relationships. I cannot navigate jobs. I cannot navigate anything because one, I don't feel safe because I don't know what they're going to say or not say. And I can't handle that feeling of being yelled at or being silent treatment because I just need to know where I stand. I lived in New York city for 15 years and I loved it. And I think I loved it because I always knew where I stood. Mm-hmm. And for me, you, you don't have to like me, but I need to know that. I need to know that, you know, you know, the, like the Joe, the doorman always yelled at me. Okay. I was okay with it. Cause I always knew, you know, I was, <laughs> and I knew how to navigate Joe. Right. Yep. You know? So yeah, the voice has that much power.
0: So what are you doing with your son to help him to communicate with you?
1: Well, one, shut up was never, ever, ever allowed in my home. I never said that word one time
2: mm-hmm. because
1: damaging phrases like shut up or stop talking. Nobody wants to hear what you have to say. What you have to say d- doesn't matter. I was really careful about that. And, and I, don't, I hesitate to even say that because I don't want anybody to feel bad if, they, if they've done that. You've not ruined anything. But that was my story. You know, I was silenced. I was not allowed to speak. So I was very cautious to begin with about what I said in relation to his voice. Mm -hmm. Now, I should probably also disclose that I have a child who was diagnosed with severe autism at the age of two and did not speak until he was four and is now basically fully recovered at almost 17. So I was very... Very careful how I used volume, Mm -hmm. and this is where I'm not saying I was perfect because I did have some of that. What are you doing? Stop, you know, stop. Not a lot, but I was hyper aware of it, and I always auto corrected when I would happen to go there because there were some intense years. I'm a single mother, too, so I was very, very cautious his entire life and hyper aware of using the skills that I teach people on a daily basis, Mm -hmm. using pull, And I always kept an open communication line of no judgment. And I didn't come at him ever with, I want to know what happened down there. It was always when you feel comfortable, I'm here for you and I want to help you. And the best way I can help you is if you let me know, and I'm not going to get upset. I always used that middle road that I was never, never given myself as a child. It was extremes. It was, you screwed up. You're a horrible child screaming or nothing, which I really think was worse.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. I can see how that would be worse. And, And even what you've mentioned about sort of the power of silence and the power of the pause. Yeah. I mean, you're looking at a two week pause. If someone's giving the silent treatment for two weeks, that's a two week pause. And that's got to be really hard.
1: Well, yeah, it was a nightmare, honestly. And it wasn't even just having it done to me. It was my father would be, she would speak to my father for weeks. Mm -hmm. And so just that, that energy of that silence and not knowing, I think that safety comes in knowing where we stand and so, yeah, it's okay. So you might be thinking, well, yeah, but I am angry, Tracy, right? I, but there are other ways to express that. We 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 speak in a pendulum. I'm either yelling, the pendulum's over here, or I'm not even speaking to you. The mm-hmm. pendulum's over here. What we're really going for here is the pendulum is always swinging. Right. It's always swinging. That goes back to that conducting that orchestra.
0: Yeah, and the conductor's hand is always swinging, so it's that's right. It's fitting. Yeah. So we've talked about the pause. We've talked about volume. We've talked about elongation. We've talked about speed. We missed one.
1: Pitch. And pitch is the one that we use the least. And I want to tell you something about pitch. Science has proven that it's where the trust is built. Pitch is the melody. The best way to think about this is to release the control. I have to be in control of this right now. I've got to be in control of this situation because think about it. When you talk to your friends, when you talk to your mate, when you talk to your coworkers, you just talk to them. And when you just talk to people, there is pitch there. Oh my gosh, you, you got the new car. Oh, this is so cool. There's pitch there. And then we go into this mode of, I have to control this conversation because I've got to get what I need and I've got to get it right now. And there is no pitch here because I am leveling this sucker out. There are different ways to talk to me and still maintain control. And so I think it becomes about a mindset, and I'm not saying give away all your power. I'm not saying because we, we've got to be best buddies with your child. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying, talk to me, talk to me, and let go. Let the, let the grip go just a little bit. And some of that pitch will work its way in. Something else by default that will help that pitch come back is breath. Breath the voice is like fuel to the car when you cut that breathing off, you're going to lose all the organic variety that you have when you just have a conversation with your spouse. Mm -hmm. When you roll that breath back in, some of that pitch play is going to come back in.
0: When we want to have our kids brush their teeth, do the dishes, do their homework, come in from outside, it sounds like the strategy we want to take is one, we want to make sure we're heard. So we might need to raise our volume up if, if they're loud, if they're far away outside for example yeah. um if they're running around like maniacs we might need to jump up in volume in order to be heard but once we're heard we want to drop that volume down as much as possible to have a conversation that they are able to process yeah. um and that might mean yelling at them across down the street and then waiting till they get to us <laughs> to, right. to begin telling them what they need to know and it might mean just yelling really loud to get them to stop wrestling or running in the in the house or whatever and then and then we're bringing the volume down. Right. And we want to use primarily slower, a slower pace when we talk and maybe speed up for emphasis. Sure. But mostly kind of keep things at a more at a more moderate pace. And then we also want to occasionally elongate some words here and there. Yeah. In order to get that significance embossed, in, in right? It's almost like putting a word in boldface type when you're writing. Exactly. Um, so you want to say like it's, it's really important yeah. that you do your homework right now.
1: Yeah, And
0: maybe it kind of feels more like italics to me now that I'm thinking about it. Um,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: But we want to emphasize words here and there, but we want to, it sounds like we mostly want to emphasize the word before the noun or before the verb. So adverbs and adjectives. Yeah. Because if right. I said, it's really important that you do your homework.
1: No. Uh-uh.
0: That's strange. But if I say, or if it's, if I say it's, really important that you do your homework that doesn't work either so it's really it's those those descriptive words that we want to that we want to emphasize um and then we also want to pay attention to our pitch so that it's not strained it sounds like right and then and play with our volume as necessary right um a quieter tone is going to be a little more intimate so if we're trying to comfort or soothe we probably want to use a quieter tone and speak even probably that much more slowly, I'm assuming.
1: Yeah. And you can kind of think about, you, you've got this moderate pace. We work in a mod, we want to work in a moderate pace, but when we get to something that is really, again, more important, I want to slow down here. Mm-hmm. Cause I, I really want you to know where I'm coming from.
0: Right. And so that's to emphasize the importance, of what you're saying, which could could be when you're trying to be understood and it could be when you're trying to let them know that you understand them. So that's more for intimate moments, I'm assuming, and maybe less for directive stuff. Because as we talk, I'm seeing that these ideas are useful both in terms of getting compliance from our kids, eating dinner, doing homework, those kinds of things, but also in terms of comforting and in terms of fostering that connection and bringing the intimacy to the relationship that we really need to have with our kids. Cause that's how we foster trust. And that's how we get them to continue to talk to us when they're 17.
1: Absolutely. And, and, you know, I, that's how I lived it. Cool tones. I mean, mm-hmm. I, you know, because I, I know better one is it's my business, but two, I could see it. I could see how it would repel. And that's not what I wanted. You know, I, I, I wanted to have a child that felt safe after what I had grown up with. And that felt like he could tell me anything,
2: Mm -hmm. you
1: know, because I couldn't say anything growing up.
0: And it sounds like you've been able to do that. You've allowed him to feel safe. I'm sure it was, you used more than just your voice in doing that. But since that's kind of the mission of this particular episode, a lot of it was you giving him the space to use his voice and, and talking to him in a way that was more, that was using pull tones, that was slower, quieter, calmer. To allow him to, to feel heard and to recognize that what you're saying, what you were saying, mattered and wasn't full of judgment, but was rather full of care and love.
1: Yeah. And I love that you said that. I think that's a, a huge part of it is that we feel not heard. And everybody desperately wants to feel heard. And when you're hammering at me, I don't feel heard. And so mm-hmm. if I don't feel heard, why am I going to tell you
0: anything? Right. Um, just being mindful of time. Uh, Before we wrap up, do you have any ending essentials around the voice that you would like to share with the audience?
1: Don't get overwhelmed by all of this. Rome wasn't built in a day. Think about it like this. Think about first assessing, what what do you do? What are you doing? Are you yelling a lot? Okay, that's all right. No problem. Start rolling in the opposite. If you're fast all the time. Start rolling in a little bit of the opposite. Don't try to leave this listening to this episode and go, All right, I've got 17 things I've got to roll in when I pick him up from school today. (laughs) Don't set yourself up for that. Maybe you write them down and start with one this week. This week, before I say anything, I'm going to take in a breath. Next week, I'm going to just roll in one bit of quiet. I don't know when I'm going to roll it in, but I'm going to roll it in and practice. You know, put it in the muscle memory when you're getting ready to have that conversation with your child. Go in the bathroom and say it out loud for a minute. It'll carry over.
0: Awesome. Thank you very much. I really appreciate your time today. Yeah, I've loved being here with you. Hey, you're still here. Nice. Thanks for staying focused all the way through. If you have any thoughts or questions about today's episode, feel free to email me at brendan at ADHDessentials.com.